about time for true crime. Hey. Howdy. How is everybody doing? How was, how, weekend? How was that weekend? Is um, the breaking news for you today that Tuesdays suck just as bad as Mondays? Or are we feeling a little bit better since it's not the first day of the week anymore? Um. Oh, God, that's a good question. I feel like for me, usually the breaking news is Tuesdays are no better than Mondays. In fact, Tuesdays I hate more than Mondays just because, oh. I mean, not now that we drop pod pods on Tuesdays, but um, I don't know. There's just something about a Tuesday where you're like, I'm not even close to the end of the week and I'm still exhausted. But I'm tired from yesterday. Yeah. Yep. And then you're like, oh gosh, we still have to do 80% of this week. <laughs> but. But. Big but. Huh, get it? But I like big. But we can <laughs> give you guys a podcast episode on this day to get you through. We hope that that helps. Either that's your commute to Hell, work or your yes. way home or during lunch or maybe you just pop your little headphones in to not listen to annoying coworkers, whatever <clears> that <throat> might that's be. At me, you guys, in case you were wondering. Then, you know. That's all it is. Hey, we love hanging out we with you. We love hanging out with you. We hope we're, we're just we feel lucky that we get to spend a part of the week with you. That's so nice. And huh, twice. Hell yeah. I know. What's better than once, right? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, no. So, yeah. Um, otherwise, though, how was your guys this weekend? Ours was good. Ours was really fun. As you guys know, I think we talked about it last week a little bit, what our plans were, but we spent the weekend in Salem. Hell yes. Now, you guys hear these episodes a week after we recorded, so it's not the week that you're listening to, like that weekend that we went to. Yes. Um, but as we record, yes, we are coming right off the Salem excitement. And that was... So much fun. Obviously, Allie and I both know Mass really well, but like being in Salem, we got to put up our little flyers. There's little Spotify links if you find them. Oh my God, um, if you find one, could you send us a photo of it? I would cry. Yeah, I'd fall on the floor of like all the happy feels. Yes, we already do. Um, Hey, London, we see you. Oh my gosh, thank you. Uh, Same to you, LA, and also like scotland and all of the crazy places that aren't even anywhere near us in new york city hey oh, hey yeah um but yeah so that was just really fun and good to like start getting our name out there a little bit more Allie and i are not by any means business or marketing majors but we're doing our best no our focus was straight criminal justice talking about the nitty-gritty and yeah. the horrible things that we talk about we're here like, is like our our bread and butter so the marketing piece of it is maybe not our strong suit but we are having so much fun learning it is true and we also just had like a good time meeting people um i know it was like a little bit awkward for us to like go and talk to strangers so if you met us and you're like who the hell are those two we are that awkward in real life we are just no fully more comfortable when it's the two of us alone in a room with mics but correct um, but we're still just as fun yes it's true and a little bit chaotic in a good way. Uh, yeah, yeah, in a good way. Not obnoxious. A God, positive chaos. Um, yeah. There's enough chaos in the world that I don't think I need to keep chaotic company. Yeah, we're like an organized chaos. So we know what to expect, but we know what we're going to expect is like a certain level of fun chaos. Yes. No, yeah. we're all about fun in this house. Yeah. And oh my gosh. And kindness. Yeah. Be good to people. Kindness there was a lot of people always. that were not very nice to each other. Like you could just see and I'm just like... Okay, don't take shit, but also just 
be a good person. Yeah. Do no harm. Take no shit. Literally. But take it a step further than take no harm or do no harm. Like be a good damn person, Mm -hmm. but also don't be a doormat. It's also so easy to be a good person. It It costs zero cents to be a good person. It's free 99. All you got to do is be like, hey, maybe I should consider how this other person feels. Don't even click to unsubscribe. No. Just do it. Yeah. Just opt in. You know what I'm saying? You got it. You feeling that? So anyway, it was a good weekend. We had a great weekend. And we also did nothing. hey We watched more Reno 911. Yeah, you guys, it was awful, but so good. Which is, so, it's just, it's so offensive. It's so mean. It's so terrible, but nobody is safe. No one's spared from that. Right. Like, everyone's made fun of. And that's just the humor that, like, I can appreciate because you can just, like, laugh at yourself, laugh at all of that, like... Again, we've talked about, like, our coping mechanisms are just yeah. pure humor. Like, especially if we relate to something in the stories that we're talking about. Like, if we cannot find humor in that or make fun of yeah. the offender or do something, then we're not getting through it. Because otherwise, it's just all around bad and sad. So, it's just it's, good to have, like, releases of that. It's one of those, that, like, if you don't laugh, you cry. Yeah. And it's good to have that reprieve. What I like about Reno 911 is that you have to laugh at everybody. And it's such a difficult subject matter in general. Like, I I think all cop shows are and like true crime shows are because how do you get people through that if mm-hmm. not for the humor and I feel like so many yes like do a wonderful job criminal minds um always has those like funky little quotes at the end to contemplate and honestly a lot of the theory that they talk about that and rel- is relatively true I've fact-checked most of it and mm-hmm. I've seen the entire show um a few too many times but the other thing is like, you know, NCIS, I think sometimes they do like the national lines for things. But seriously, other than that, the only way to get through it is to laugh. And when it's your day to day and you do that shit 40 plus hours a week, it gets so tiring. And there's so much of it that you're like, gosh, I just want to cry about it. Like, it's so horrible. But you just have and then to you get find, to laugh. Yeah. You have to find like a silver lining and something to be positive about. And then a lot of times you also have to laugh, too, because, again, if you aren't laughing, you are crying. Yeah. And if humor brings people together, if you can laugh together. Oh, like, yeah, you can get through it. You're part. You're already made a step, you know. Well, and I think, too, that like Reno 911, I like that it makes fun of everybody. It makes fun of the cops involved. It makes fun of the people that they like have to deal with and that you just need that. You do. It's so. just, it's so refreshing to, like, have a cop show that isn't, like, very serious. Like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like, not, yeah. like, super serious, too, where it's like, okay, is that what it's about? Sure, but, like, it's not Also, love super sad. Andy Samberg. Oh, my God, I love him. He's so sweet. Although, I do miss the tooth gap, I'll be honest. Yeah. There's very few people I would say that about, but in some way, it fit with him, and... I think the tooth gaps are really cute. He, went, someone- he went, like, all Hollywood, you know? I'm like, keep yeah. the London look. Yeah. If you will, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Books never written. British dentistry. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah, teeth point north, <laughs> teeth point east. It's real bad. <laughs> but um, no, I, I like tooth gaps. I think they're cute and they have like character. And as someone who has messed up teeth, who has never like fixed them. You don't have messed up I teeth. I do. They're, they're rough. Uh-uh. The bottom ones, and I will say after I got my wisdom teeth out, it did even out a little bit. But like they're rough and i don't mind it i've been told that it's like you know one of my cousins i was like i don't always love that i might do like invisalign or something she's like no i like when i think of you like that's part of what i think of and i was like oh that's like an insecurity oh no but like also it was just really sweet (laughs) that's something i'm sensitive (laughs) about why do you like that (laughs) um 
but it was just one of those things that I was like, huh, I think that's fair. Cause there are like a few people that I think about that and I'm like, I really like their teeth. Like, <laughs> I just, I like Andy Sam. I think he's, he's just funny. He's got yeah. great comedic timing, but he can be serious, but also like his time, an absolute idiot in a good way. On SNL was like my peak SNL cast with mm. him, Bill Hader, like Jason Sudeikis, the whole, right. oh, it was so good. And they had this one short called laser cats and i think about it all the freaking time okay i'm gonna have to watch because they just have like cats on their arms and just like pew 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 with them uh. and their eyes would shoot little lasers no <laughs> it was very cute you um, would think about that like nightly frequently yes. yeah um with newton yeah yeah no he's just the it's not lasers though it's like the fangs yeah oh i love that cat anyway so Today, you guys, we are getting into part two of the Martha Moxley murder. Wow, nice alliteration there. I know. I, Did you do I that spent on a minute on it, yeah. Martha Moxley murder. Martha Mo- I can't say that fast. Martha Moxley's murder. Um, I couldn't do the... Well, I could have done the murder of Martha Moxley, but I was like, mm, I like the alliteration. Okay. So, I don't know if you guys remember, but where we were at last time with this case was that Martha had been killed. She was found in her backyard the morning of Halloween. It was after like a neighborhood uh, night called. Was it Mischief Night? Mischief Night. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, that would have been so fun. If I know. If she that weren't the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? If that's not how it ended, you can just see how that would be. In good fun, if not right. taken too far, could just be a really like fun night for like the tweens and teens yeah. to like, you know, mom, I'm going out with my friends, and then they're like three doors down, yeah. just like putting little, yeah, whatever, thinking TP. that they're being like so naughty in like the mm-hmm. backyard, and they could really like throw a rock and break their own bedroom window, but they feel like they're so far from home, right? And so that's kind of what was going on. It's Greenwich, Connecticut. It is affluent as heck. Um, yes, in fact, our main two suspects right now are two boys that were Martha's neighbors that were related to the Kennedys so like affluent affluent neighborhood I was listening to last week's episode and by the way I'm feeling better you guys thank you for asking yeah you sound delightful Um, I sound a lot better I feel like a thousand times better but last time we sat to record um I was not doing too hot and I was even like listening to what I was saying in the Martha Moxley episode when I was like at my height of like not feeling well and I'm like the questions I asked were things like you already had just said it was (laughs) like I had you know like when you're sick you have that brain fog I feel like ever since I had covid too like that brain fog comes back when i get sick and i am disappointed in myself i said the kennedys were like martha's vineyard uh it's hyannisport and i know that and i listened to that and i was like girlfriend how like to myself later well i didn't know so thanks for that correction well yeah kennedy compound hyannisport cool not that that's at all important but it's just I noticed the things that I was getting wrong. So I'm like, all right, let's, we're, we're in like a better head spot. Shoulders. I was, I was listening to it and I was like, girl, you gotta get that shit together. I was like, you were not feeling too hot. Where are yeah. you? But we're feeling better. No, no more brain she, fog. She was such a trooper last week, guys. She was like with her little sniffles and her cough and, <laughs> and my little voice that sounded terrible. You sounded like this. I know. I know. Poor and I'm like, thing. it's just raspy for you guys. And it's like, no, 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 no. That was just straight. It was just nasally. <laughs> it was just horrible. <laughs> uh, 
so but we're alive and we're doing well and i'm very right. excited i'm in a better head space to like listen to the final part Ooh. of that surprise two-parter i'm so upset i had to wait this long i know i would even i was like um i guess this needs to be a two-parter i guess it does <laughs> It, w- it really would have been really long seeing how much you had left to cover. Yeah. And just the stuff we're going to get into, like there's still another suspect we have to bring up and then any of the, you know, follow up and stuff that's happened. Yeah, we don't want to gloss over important information just because we want to hurry up. You know what I mean? Right. And also Martha deserves this. Like if nothing else, and I'll say the one thing I am the most disappointed in this case for is out of all of the news articles, out of everything that gained traction, no offense to the Kennedys, but a girl was murdered. Yeah, and the, and the news just ends up cares about more about the fact that yeah, his like nephews were involved or something, as opposed to the girl that was literally beaten in the head until she died in her backyard. Like, in well, w- in her front yard, and then dragged into her backyard. In one way, you could say that it like brought necessary attention. Like maybe it got. Like, people paid attention to it because of it, but at the same time, like, okay, it's an unsolved case. Right. It's really brought up because the Kennedys can't possibly be accused of something, you know? It's it's more, like, in their defense than it is bringing attention to oh. the fact that a child was murdered. We're going to get into that. So much of this case is absolutely just defending the Kennedy name. I have purposely, like, I know I knew a little bit that there was a case with the Kennedys, and I'm like, okay, I knew you were going to cover it, stayed away from it. After we talked about it last week in the episode, I'm like, oh my God, okay, I just have to wait. <laughs> so I am ready. Yes, ready, eager, and have not looked up a goddamn thing. Okay. And I'm going to like explode if you don't start telling me things now. So I'm going to stop talking. So as we remember, again, Martha had been murdered the night of Fright Night or Mischief Night. And the day she was found was on Halloween. The two suspects they had at the height of their list were Tommy and Michael Skakel. Both of them had lied to their police in their initial um, testimony. Yeah, the first statements they made. Statements, thank you. Because I was like, I know it's not testimony. They're not in court. But they did lie in their initial statements. And then their father, Rushton, which is, hell, what a name. um, He hired a private investigator to, like, look more into this, try to solve it just to get the boys' names out of people's mouths, right? Well, unless they were saying amazing things. Right, exactly. He wanted their names not in connection with Martha. So he well, hired you this... you should have told your sons to keep their hands off of her. Uh-huh. Maybe parent. Um, but nonetheless... Off her knees, okay, Tommy? I see yes. you. So... Tommy had told the police that after he and Martha spent time together that he went inside, did a report on Abraham Lincoln, which after follow-up police found there was no assignment on Abraham Lincoln. And the PI that Rushton hired found out that instead of the Abraham Lincoln thing, he and Martha actually fooled around for a while and got to like third base, according to Tommy. Do you think Lincoln would leave the top hat on during sex? Ooh, um... Top hat and socks, no socks, cold Consider. feet. Consider. I would say socks. I would say top hat if it was just him. But knowing his wife, mm. no top hat. Because I think that might freak her out. Okay. She had some issues. Did she? Don't we all? But yeah. Wasn't he also like massive too? 
Just like, he was just super tall. Yes, yeah, he mean, was like, like a bean, like a string bean, but he was super tall. Oh, so my that, type, tall and thin. I know that is your type. Is that not my thin? Because it it's is. exactly the opposite of me. Opposite yeah. tract, if oh, you will. Please. <laughs> um, it was actually he was so tall that his bed was custom made. It had to be long, like extra long. To but fit anyway. his top hat? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they had to add two extra feet for that top hat to have room to breathe at night. Yes. Um. No, but anyway. How accommodating. Okay. This is not even the topic. Okay. I know. <laughs> you guys, stop distracting us. <laughs> Please. And what do you think? Do you think it stays under in bed? Yeah. Or? What are, maybe we'll make an Instagram poll. We won't. But we, maybe we, won't, we won't. Maybe we will. But we won't. But stay tuned. Anyway. Maybe um, we'll just do something. If you know, you know. Top hat. <laughs> socks. No socks. <laughs> yeah. Top hat. No top hat. Anywho. So anyway. God. Um, that was Tommy. So Tommy's lie was that he and Martha did not fool around when they infected. And then we go to Michael. And Michael had said that he went out and he watched a Monty Python thing that was airing and then came back and went to bed. Relatable. Very relatable. Um, but instead of doing that, he went out and watched that Monty Python airing. So that was correct. But then when he came home, instead of going to bed, he uh, decided he was a little bit horny. And then he... Uh, Hopped into the tree next to Martha's bedroom, climbed it up, and uh, yanked his little chain to it and went oh. to bed. Oh, I liked our Spider-Man analogy. Yeah, Spider-Man was better. Cast a web, if he, you will. Uh, yeah, he did. But, like... Okay, can we just have, like, one quick icky corner? Parents, please skip past this. I know you listen. Love you so much. One one second. Um, oh, no. Did he, like, leave that on the tree? Did he have to clean oh. that up? No, I think he just let it... He's a candidate. He was like, it. It'll stay. It will land, and they'll thank me for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, actually, that's a great segue because. Oh no. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys remember, but also at the end of last episode, we talked about the fact that he had gotten into some trouble in his schooling years and ended up having to go to a reform school where there were accounts of him saying, "I'm going to get away with murder. I'm a Kennedy." Which, again, I yes, would say we that... take with a grain of salt. Right. I think that it's a really easy for another schoolboy to try to get his 15 minutes and accuse them. Like, the Kennedys are really, like, a dynasty. It, it's, just, yes. it's just our equivalent of, like, a royal family, I think. Maybe less so now in the, the poll that they have, but certainly what they oh, used they to have. they definitely had their time, and they had... And have still even like a lot of influence. And in the 60s and 70s, and especially in New England, Massachusetts, yep. Connecticut area, you bet your ass. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Kennedy family just in terms of like how fascinating that I find them all. Yes. But there is that level of they're untouchable. And if you let the younger ger- generations believe that, um, well, you can yes. run into things like this. Not saying they did it. I know nothing about it. But right. they were they were definitely flirting with her and they would not admit oh, that. And both of them. Like, that's the thing. Michael had admitted that he was into her. Tommy was clearly into her. Like, we saw in her diary. She was like, he keeps making moves, like putting his hand on my thigh, trying to dance with me. And Martha had a boyfriend. So we see you, Tommy. But, um, you know, what? we're all young and dumb once. So I'll give it to you. But, but the fact that Michael had to say out loud, well, what I actually did was climb a tree peeped my little tom right out there stare at her uh-huh beat the meat mm-hmm. and then what climb back down like what upset with himself or proud or or just like listily, are you ashamed are you ashamed at that point? Uh, moving over to sleep or are you like ah release 
good night or yeah, i what think does it was probably like? that no i don't i don't mean what does that look like that because yeah, i don't i don't mean a visual but you know what i like. mean um the what? visual is a little bit funny though just if you think like unless the tree is a grand great climbing tree there's got to be some element of holding on you know is it like, like is it like a birch that he's like it's like leaning <laughs> and like cracking to one side <laughs> It's like just two more seconds. Oh my god, hang in there. Stop it. <laughs> crack, crack. <laughs> no. So anyhow. That's where we're leaving off. So and he's fifteen at the sorry, he's fifteen and the uh, the other brother's seventeen at this point. Yes. Okay. So he is they're both like high school age. Yes. And Martha's also like fifteen. Right. But of course you're gonna go for the older one girl who doesn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So after my own heart. I know. Me too. Been oh. there, done that. And a Kennedy. Oh, my God. I know. I mean, listen, I get it. She had taste. But, like, mm-hmm. um, again, she had a boyfriend who was, like, almost not ever mentioned in this because if you forgot it in the last episode, he was watching TV because he was so stoned. He was super paranoid and didn't want to go out. Which, again, if that's how the night was going to go, imagine what happened. I know. Thank your lucky stars you stayed inside. Well, and that, like, even us talking about, like, it's a cute little spooky night of fun so long as people take it like within the realm it should be um imagine being so paranoid and high and you're like trying to tp a house and like oh my god anybody's gonna catch me at any moment like (laughs) yeah that it's just like you know what it's best that i just don't i hope he watched the monty python thing hopefully that made it better (laughs) mistakes were made i am too out of it i am going to stay martha love you so much i'm hanging in tonight yes so that was quite fun. So we're going to jump forward to 1998. It's been a little bit now since the initial murder happened. That was in the 70s. We're now in the ripe young year of the pig in the Chinese New Year. Oh, my. Actually. Is that um, the tiger? No, you're right. It is the tiger. Um, sorry. I had a Chinese New Year themed birthday once, and that was the year of the pig. So did that's what really? I was thinking. Yes, I did. <laughs> Well, because I think my birthday fell on Chinese New Year. So I was like, cool. I'll lean into it. Oh, my God. I was like eight. The photos, hysterical. Everyone is like, it's that awkward age of like third grade, fourth grade. Most people are going through like some of their first growth spurts. So, you know, you get a little chunky and then you shoot up. So either you're like super lanky and tall or you're a little chunky and shorter and everybody's Wait, got like spurts? i know you no, wouldn't know anything kidding. about this because you haven't grown since you were seven but some of us um i think it was 13 oh hey, hey. sorry <laughs> um but it's like all of these kids with red eyes because the flashback there was no like red eye correction or anything oh and my god everybody's hyped up on sugar and they're like mm, and <clears throat> just so good but anyway yeah so we're in 1998 <laughs> Okay, so this is 20, what, three years later? Something like that, yeah. She died I believe in it was 23. Yeah, all right. Jeez. Longer so, than she was alive. Then a new book comes out. It's called A Murder in Greenwich, Who Killed Martha Moxley? And by the way, I'm saying Greenwich. I've heard it say gr- said Greenwich, but there's fully a W in there. So I'm calling y'all out. I'm saying Greenwich this episode. I think it is green- Greenwich. Green- okay. Greenwich, though. Greenwich. Is it Greenwich? Yeah, that's what people are calling it. Greenwich. But there's a W. Anyway. Honey, you're so, in New England. What do you think? Um, I think that people need to learn how to say it like they spell it. Wait till she sees Worcester, you guys. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I need. I really need to stop doing tangents. But 
in college, one of my party tricks was that people would just give me Massachusetts towns and try to have me pronounce them. I'm not kidding. Would you be like Peabody? Yeah, sometimes I would do it wrong just for like shits and gigs because people were expecting it. And then sometimes oh. I'd just be like, Worcester. Worcester. <laughs> Come at me. Hey. Oh, it's so funny on the news, people out of town like, Worcester. And you're like, yeah, all right. So, um, anywho, a book comes out. A Murder in Greenwich, Who Killed Martha Moxley? Greenwich, Greenwich. The author of this book says that he has cracked it. The author is Mark Furman. This is the same LAPD detective who later became infamous for his racial slurs during and perjury during the O.J. Simpson trial, in case uh, you were wondering. This this author of the book is a police officer? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he gets oh. interested in the case because he has the P.I. report, so he gets the private investigation report. Oh, yes. But he's not the one they hired. No. So I'm not sure how he got that. I don't know if it was given to him freely, if he stumbled across it, if somebody who did the PI report was like, I got some dirt on some Kennedy relatives. Mm. You're going to want to see this. But first, he says the PD drops the ball big. And secondly, he says he knows that Martha was murdered by Michael. And this is based on Michael's quote unquote confession. So Michael's the 15 year old Skakel brother. And he's the one who beat it in a tree, climbed up the tree. Okay, that he he's had to say that out loud. I assume so. Wow. Um, Is it worse to write it though? Yes. Is it worse? I don't know. Because at least there's tone. You could be like, oh, I did this, but in writing, it's just I did this. I stripped down. But if you put like uh, a frowny face, does it? (laughs) (laughs) Just like a little emoji. Mm. (laughs) Oh. The little big eyes and the frowny. Oh, like I didn't mean it. Little baby. (laughs) Not the murder part. I'm purely making fun of someone beating it in a tree. Yeah. Also, though, like, it's so fucking creepy to think about someone, like, watching you outside of your bedroom window. Well, that's just, it's such a violation. And on the second floor. I was going to say, you feel like you're, like, you feel like you're safe. You know, like, I, like, living on, like, second floors or third floors. Especially, like, an an apartment building or something. Because... You really only have to worry about, like, people in other buildings seeing in, but yeah. no one's going to walk by or, you know, you aren't anticipating that anybody can, like, be in a tree or anything. Like, what a violation of your privacy, yes. of your safety, of, you know, how how you feel in your own home. I can't imagine. So I'm, so I'm glad I don't have to. But the confession that, you know, Mark Furman is referring to in his book is weird as hell. So Michael basically kind of said he's the sad little rich kid. So the Skakels had a lot of problems, obviously. Rushton definitely had an alcohol problem and left the parenting too. And I think I put this in my last one. Crime Junkie had this quote. It was an open checkbook, closed emotion approach to parenting, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which seems accurate from what I know. And the kids always had drugs, alcohol, and like fights between themselves and readily available. Like Mm -hmm. all of that was easy to come by and easy to do without a lot of repercussions if it happened. So... Even by 15, Michael was a heavy drinker and was drunk the night that Martha died. Oh. So in 1978, he got a DUI. So that's just three years after Martha's death. He was 18. Um, He got a DUI, and that's how he ends up at that correctional school. So Michael writes about it in a tell-all book proposal that he he comes up with. Ooh. Yeah, he wants to do like a... Here's the dirt. Here's the sitch. This is my whole life. Oh, jeez. Like that kind of thing. 
So according to Time magazine, Michael wrote in this proposal that part of the treatment in this reformatory school that he went to was like group therapy, but also it sounds whack as hell. He had to wear a sign that said, I am an arrogant rich brat. Confront me on why I killed my friend Martha. What? Yeah. He had to like wear that as a sign in group therapy at the school. Uh, yeah. Uh, Which. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Mark says, so Mark, the author of this book that he says he's cracked it, Mark says that he confirmed the story about the sign by talking to other people in the sessions. One of these individuals say that in group therapy, Michael, quote unquote, blurted out that he killed Martha as well. But I don't know if this is the same person that said that he reported like getting away with murder because he's a Kennedy. Yeah, I'm going to get away with it because I'm a Kennedy, yeah. Right. So I don't know if those are two separate occasions, if they're the same event, but he did have somebody else apparently say that. So the state of California puts together a grand jury to see if this could um, be put as evidence to take Michael to trial. It's like a dunce cap. Yeah. So, you know, they all say this counts or whatever. We want to see it happen. Mm -hmm. So in 2000, 25 years after the murder, a warrant is put out for an unknown juvenile because at the time, Michael was a juvenile. But Michael is now 40. Oh. Yeah. So not a cute look. Um. And, like, this is just one clusterfuck after another. So, of course, that unnamed juvenile is Michael, who's almost 40. So, a bunch of confusion happens, naturally. And by the time he goes to trial, he is tried as an adult, as he should be, even though he was a juvenile at the time, which raises a very interesting ethical question when it comes to the courts, you know, for something like this that doesn't have a statute of limitations. Like, do you get tried based off the age you were at the time or based off the age you are now fascinating especially when this much time has passed and their only evidence or what they're citing right now is this his tell-all book that he was supposedly going to come out with no so the evidence that they're putting out there is the book written by mark Furman, the one again who later is known for his racial slurs and the perjury in the oj Simpson trial quotes yes that talks about this other kid talking about the quote-unquote blurted confession the fact that he had to wear these signs and the book that Mark Furman writes does have some background from that PI report, okay. but it is not necessarily like the Michael tell all book proposal that gets this brought up. Okay. That's going to come up in a second, but that was important because he also talks about some of this stuff. So like he has talked about having to go to that school. He talked about like the treatment there and other people are corroborating that and adding the Martha, like the Martha stuff. Okay. So Michael's not saying I had to wear the sign. Other people are saying. He did. Right. Yes. So again, he has tried as an adult. Michael says that he's innocent just the same as he did when he was a teenager. However, the prosecution really wants to try to convict. I can imagine like it's 25 years later. You want to get this crime solved like 25 years to the year is, I don't know, like it's catchy. It would get some attention, that kind of thing. And if you feel like you have right, and the person who's been untouchable for yeah, literally longer than the victim was alive. And you're getting testimonies. You have 53 people testify. Like that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I could also see how that makes sense. So the investigator used a one person grand jury. What? Uh-huh. To look at all of this evidence. And Michael was indicted for murder in 2000. So Michael was 41 when the trial began. 
Uh, and he had a very schmoozy defense attorney. This man's name was Mickey Sherman. And national media was there. There were tense lights, the camera crew, the whole nine. And Michael's defense and quote unquote only defense was that he didn't commit the crime and to focus on reasonable doubt. Which personally, I think is a very poor argument, especially when you have all of these people testifying like you might want to put together some witnesses to say like, yes, we did see him at Monty Python and he left at this time, even though he might have gone out and wanked it later. Like they he didn't was use here. that as like to make the reasonable doubt. I don't think so. It was ugh. so not so hot, Mickey. Prosecution then plays recordings from the tape recording Michael did of that book proposal. So we talked about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he admits that he was in the tree and he had a thing for Martha. The former Greenwich sheriff said that he wanted to arrest Tommy. So Michael's defense attorney plays up reasonable doubt saying that, why wasn't it Tommy? Why didn't they look at Tommy? Which mm-hmm. was like a little bit fucked up. Like you're throwing someone's brother under the bus to get them out, mm-hmm. you know? kind of tit for tat as far as the Skakel family goes and then he's gonna hire you and (laughs) yeah literally and it's probably just gonna be a cycle but these clubs were everywhere on the property so the golf clubs that Martha was killed with they were everywhere on the property and any of the siblings or even anyone who like were nearby the house or on the lawn could have grabbed them and picked them up and the same problem happens here though that prosecution has zero physical evidence trying to tie Michael to the crime Everything is circumstantial. So it's not like they could even say, yeah, there were a bunch of clubs, but this one had Michael's prints. Like, they didn't even have that. Right. Or her blood was found on him. How can you explain that? Nothing. I mean, if anything, they probably found semen in the fucking tree. Like, Mm -hmm. and he already admitted to that. Yeah, which would match the story that he's, well, now changed, but he gave. So Mickey, the charismatic defense attorney, has... Also, no real motive to, like, make probable doubt, right? We know Martha had a boyfriend. We know Martha has talked to both Tommy and Michael, but nothing has happened really with either of them. Mm -hmm. Unless Tommy is being accurate and saying that they, like, fooled around, in which case, super sorry to Martha's boyfriend. That sucks. But, like, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing here really seems like a motive. So the only motive that the prosecution has to go off of is that they think he's gone into a jealous rage over the attention that Martha showed to Tommy. Hmm. In personal documents and the book proposal, Michael said that he did want Martha as his girlfriend, but investigators thought that they could kind of take that rivalry between Tommy and Michael and count that as a big enough motive for fucking murder. Which, like... Stranger things have happened. We see crimes of passion all the time. And you see that in someone as young as 15. Yes. But do we know that Tommy and Michael were able to chat between the time that Martha was murdered? We don't know. Because yeah, Tommy could rub it in his face that right, Tommy, maybe they were doing something. For all we know, they fooled around until, what did he say, like 9.30 or 10 or something. And then he went in and watched TV with their tutor, who was his witness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Michael was gone and then he came back later and then went back out. So like, we don't know if they talked or not. Mm-hmm. I, we simply don't know. They might've, they might not have. That's a lot of probable doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. So in this investigation and trial, the prosecutors first started to attack the alibi Michael had this ride to the friend's house at the time that Martha got murdered. Gregory Coleman, who was one of the friends at the Monty Python party, stated that he was 
pretty certain that Michael didn't take the ride, but even more convincing than this testimony was an alternate testimony that Michael had made, which, because again, all of these stories keep fucking changing. So Michael couldn't keep his mouth shut for the quarter of the century, meaning all of the alleged implications of guilt and explicit admissions of guilt carried more weight in the courtroom. So, you know, those friends that said that he admitted to killing Martha, the people that said when he was in their home, like he talked about that and all of that stuff. And the sign that he had to wear and talk about in groups. Right. Although I'll say this, never make anybody wear a fucking sign. That makes no sense. That's not like a punishment. I didn't. Is that like, how is that treatment anyway? Yeah. So nonetheless, um, this friend, Greg Coleman, the one that wanted to like testify against Michael, he died of a drug overdose before the 2000s. Okay. And this testimony from was from earlier hearings was used in court. And this infuriated the Skakel brothers and like the whole family, because basically what they're saying is they're taking someone who had a known substance use problem with testimony that wasn't current from a time that his addiction was severe, who's now passed and still putting that into trial. And you also have a right to face your accusers. And if yeah. he's deceased, then you cannot cross examine like yeah. defense can't ask any questions of him now. So it's pretty fucked that that got used, in my opinion. But um, Coleman admitted to Michael's attorney. So Coleman is the man who passed of the drug overdose. He had admitted to the defense attorney, Mickey Sherman, that he was high when he testified to that grand jury. He admitted that to the defense attorney? Yes. Yikes. So okay. he said, yeah, I was high when I did that. Oh, no. Um, but that also wasn't the only other confession. Nine other witnesses discussed the amount of implication that Michael had said either directly or inferred that he had done that murder. So also, let's just quickly return to the school that Michael was in, that reformatory school. Mm-hmm. Uh, that school had kids fucking fight each other. And they stood behind, quote unquote, humiliation therapy. Um, which, according to the New York Times, one of his old classmates from that school testified to seeing Michael thrown into a boxing ring and getting beaten up by other students consecutively until he confessed to the murder. Oh, yeah. That's which barbaric. Is ridiculous. Like, of course, you're going to fucking confess. You're going to say whatever they want you to if they just have like kids coming and coming and coming and coming to beat the living shit out of you, you know? Yeah. And, you know, coming. But like ridiculous yeah no also i am not a fan of humiliation therapy i think even if you need to be like punished and you need to reform and change your ways like degrading someone is not going to get them to want to become a better person no no it's just not they're going to be like what the fuck you're making me feel like i'm not a human because that's what they're doing Mm -hmm. so anyway so the jury deliberates for three to four days, depending on your source, um, and he is sentenced to 20 years in prison. So they find him guilty. They of find this? him guilty after all of that. There isn't a shred of anything that. Nothing physical. It's all circumstantial. It makes sense, but mm-hmm. like there's so much reasonable doubt there. Yeah, and that's the problem with circumstantial evidence, right? Like I've said, it paints a really good picture of the circumstances in which something might have happened, but without any physical evidence to tie any of that theory to reality. What are we actually going off of here? And it's, hmm, the puzzle might fit if we put it this way, but you're not doing it within the borders, so you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just saying, that makes some sense. Yeah, and you've got, you've got nothing tangible to solidify what you're saying. And that is what landed him 20 years to life in prison. Wow. 
Yes. So, however, again, this was seemingly chiefly as a result from the recording that was played from Michael's taping of his book, where he said, did they see me last night? And this is sort of like a reference. It sounds like out of context, but this whole did they see me last night that he records as a part of this tell all book proposal. It's not a testimony. It's not like he's testifying or giving a statement to the cops. This is part of a proposal for a book. And that's the only snippet that they used of audio. And so we don't know what the context was around that. Right. And so chiefly people call this like the quote unquote nail in the coffin. Right. And what are they saying? Like, did they see me last night? Meaning what did other like did were there people to witness him? Um, I assume that was his question, but we'll get into that in just a second. So hold on to that. That's just so weird. Okay. Yes. So again, though, nobody who knew Michael seemed to agree that he would have done it. Like everybody in that courtroom basically said, yeah, hearing that come out of his mouth was like, everyone was like, oh, he did it. Oof. Yes. So enter the Kennedy connection. It seems we having a convicted murderer in the family was not really in the plans for Robert Kennedy Jr., mm-hmm. who went on to write a whole book about this quote-unquote injustice. Oh. He wrote and published a book. Oh. A family of writers. <sighs> so Kennedy threw a fit, which resulted in the following actions. Mm-hmm. Robert Kennedy Jr. accused the prosecutor of misrepresenting Michael's words in those closing arguments that, I mean, did they see me last night? Being used out of context. That's what he was arguing. Mm -hmm. So a month later, Robert Kennedy Jr. said it again publicly. So basically what they're saying is the prosecutor played Michael's testimony that he gave to that private investigator that his dad hired. Mm -hmm. And that was the piece of audio that said, did they see me last night? Okay. So it wasn't in the tell-all book? Well, it was in the proposal. Okay. Okay. Yes. So... Um, the prosecution hadn't included the piece um, of Michael jerking off in a tree to Martha the way that he told the private investigators. Okay. So basically, he followed up like that whole, yeah, I jerked off in the tree and then went to bed. Did they see me last night? And I think what he was referring to there was Martha or her mother. Because again, if you remember the next morning, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, she comes up. She's like, Martha isn't here. Like, have you goes yeah. over to the house. Have you seen Martha? Right. And without any context, he's probably like, fuck. <laughs> like, like, yeah, they saw what I did last night. Yes. So did right. they see me last night? It was the audio that was played, but they left out all of that context. Gotcha. So... Kennedy Jr., Robert Kennedy Jr. was like, uh, oh, what the fuck? So without the preamble of the masturbating, it does really sound like he's admitting to something, right? Like, mm-hmm. oof, did they see me? And I'm sure put in an eloquently written prosecutorial closing argument that would be very convicting. Mm-hmm. Um, but the prosecutor thought that it was fair to play. Normally, I would say, so what? To be convicted to 20 years to life, there must be more. But again... Most people in that courtroom all agreed that that was the nail in the coffin. Well, right? posed that way. Right, exactly. So in this light, I'm absolutely in agreement that he deserved another trial. Mm-hmm. Like, at least, even if he did it, you deserve to be prosecuted in a way that is fair and just. It doesn't and leave questions unanswered. Yeah, because the whole point of justice is to kind of put that bookmark there to say, okay, now we can move on. Mm-hmm. And right now, it's like a semicolon. Where's it going? Mm-hmm. So, we have a new suspect. Ooh. Tony Bryant enters the picture. 
And is this the defense's, like, look at him, not me? We're just going to throw a little pin in everything going on with Michael. Okay. And we're going to bring in Tony. So, Tony Bryant. A classmate of the Skakels said they know who killed Martha. Bryant had made a confession about that night. Tony says that he was with Adolph Hasbrook and Burton Tinsley. Bryant said that he has no doubt those two were involved. What are the names? Tony Bryant lives in the, well, maybe not in the neighborhood, but like lives in the area, goes to school with all of them. Okay. He has two friends. Yep. Adolph and Burton. Burton and Adolph. Gotcha. Adolph Hasbrook, Burton Tinsley. Um, He, being Tony, the guy who lives there, says that he has no doubt that his two friends were involved. Okay. Like he knows that they're involved. So they had talked so Adolf Hasbrook had become obsessed with Martha apparently in one of the previous trips that he took to visit Tony they were like at a dance and they saw each other and Martha had danced with him apparently and then Adolf supposedly gets jealous with all of the other boys getting her attention and Bryant says that he was with the boys like Adolf and Burton when they picked up golf clubs in the Skakel's backyards so they were in the backyard picking up golf clubs, which is the murder weapon. Right. Um, and Tony says that his friends were bragging about wanting to hurt someone that night, saying that he was going to do, quote unquote, what cavemen do. Oh, God. Yeah. So Tony Bryant then says he wanted no part and left. And the next time Tony sees them, Adolf and Burton said, quote unquote, we achieved our fantasy. Ooh. Ew. Gross. I literally wrote in my notes, E-W-U-H. Ew. <laughs> I hate that. So, Michael's attorney. Also, what an unfortunate Adolf, really, in the 70s? Yeah. Yikes. This is from 48 Hours. And this might seem like kind of out of left field. But I think that Adolf was a black man. Interesting. Which doesn't really, you know, it would stick out. In an affluent neighborhood in the 70s in Greenwich, Connecticut. You know? Yeah. I just, I pictured Adolf and I literally just pictured a teenage Hitler. Yep. <laughs> because there's no other With comparison. Like the little Hitler stash, but it's like barely growing in. And like it's a, just starting to make visual. Well, like a baseball cap. Yeah. Like that's, that name is permanently like marked and oh, soured yeah. and... I feel so bad. Like you can't like that poor kid. I know. Named that. What a heavy name to carry. I don't know. It's a lot. It is a lot. Sorry. That's just like it struck me. I'm like, wait, a, a teenager named Adolf? God. Seventies. <laughs> God. In the seventies. Like y'all knew enough. Oh my word. So Michael's attorney. Um, then filed a petition for a new trial on the grounds of this information that they get from Tony Bryant. So Tony comes forward and tells them, hold up. I know the two guys that were at least involved in it. He waited that long, though. Damn. Yeah. 25 years. Ridiculous. So this is just after now Michael's doing time. Yes. Oh, no. Except our friend Tony Bryant fucking refuses to testify under oath. Which is usually a red flag. So he admits that he brought the murderers to Greenwich, right? Because he was saying they were going out. They went on the train. They came to visit him. Mm-hmm. And that, that night, could Ooh. technically.
technically mean that he could be charged with accessory to murder, mm-hmm. which you probably wouldn't want to testify to under oath, Correct. which I would think that if you were, I don't know, a prosecutor or a defense attorney, you might offer some sort of help for that, like a reduced sentence. But whatever. What or do I know? immunity, if you feel that they've actually not partaken in the crime. Right, which he says he didn't. So, you know, we'll throw that well, out Well, he there. also, years ago, would have said he knew nothing, so. Exactly. So, Kennedy Jr. said that Bryant wouldn't testify without immunity, because I guess now Robert Kennedy Jr. is in with Tony Bryant. Okay. So, when they play this video from the initial questioning with Tony, the judge was not persuaded and still ruled against Michael. So, they played the testimony to see, because... I don't know if you guys know this, but if you're going to appeal on grounds of like new information or if you're bringing extra evidence into question, usually a judge has to hear that to see if they think it would have made a reasonable difference. So like if that extra information was Michael was wearing a red shirt that night, not a green shirt, and nobody cares about the shirt, they're going to be like, so fucking what? Like that's not enough for a new trial. Right. But this could have potentially resulted in something, though the judge was not convinced. It's still, cir- it's all still circumstantial. Exactly. But I mean, like you were entertaining circumstantial evidence before. Correct. So now we move forward another 16 years. It's 2016. And Michael has spent 16 years in prison. Yep. Okay. It's 15 or 16 because well, he might not have gone like yeah. right in 2000. Yeah, but exactly. So he's spent a hot minute in prison now. You just said exactly. Oh, you're rubbing off on me. Oh, apparently. So, Robert Kennedy Jr., in 2016, repeated these admissions in the book that he puts out. In the Kennedy's book, he quotes the diary that Martha wrote about three weeks before her murder about running into Tony and two strangers at the dance. But that's not entirely accurate because Martha doesn't mention Tony. Mm. Um, instead, Martha writes on October 4th, Tonight was the Sacred Heart Dance. When we walked in, some guy asked me to dance. Some other guy asked me. It turned out to be a slow dance. It was Stairway to Heaven. Oh, my Sorry. God. It's like a 13-minute song. All right. I know. You're like, okay, are we done? you smell kind of weird and you forgot to put on deodorant. I had to go. But anyway, um, she writes, at the fast part, he wouldn't even let go. I also danced with Ricky, Neil, and Peter Sedensky. A lot with Ricky. The Ricky she mentioned was actually Richard Burns, who was actually one of the people interviewed in the 48 hours that I watched, Mm -hmm. which was very interesting and kind of a cute little like connection to see that written down. And I don't know. I feel like you don't always get a lot of diary entries, you know, so it's kind of fun to see in like the victim's own world what these people were to them. So that was. Yeah. What mattered to her in that. At right. that time when she sat down to write. And she was like, I really enjoyed dancing with Ricky. I danced a lot with him. Like, it was a good time. So. Which is just what you do when you're 15. I know. <laughs> to, to steer way to heaven. Her slow dance. That wasn't with Ricky. That was the stranger. So they're associating a stranger or, like, some guy asked me to dance. I think they're associating that with Adolf, who oh, okay. ended up having that, like, obsession with her. Not Tony. Right. Gotcha. So the Ricky she mentions, again, that was Richard Burns. And Richard says that he doesn't remember seeing any of those three there. And I think he said something along the lines of, I would have remembered if she was dancing with someone who seemed possessive, and Richard can confidently say that he doesn't. Hasbrook did, Hasbrook is Adolf, he did decline to do an interview, but his attorney describes this as, quote-unquote, inflammatory and false. 
Oh, so okay. that he was possessive and didn't want to let go during the fast part of Stairway to Heaven. Gotcha. Which is, can you imagine paying an attorney to talk about whether or not you let go of somebody's hand when you were 15 during Stairway to Heaven? Mm-hmm. 40 yes. years ago. Yes. So I was thinking about it, but it did seem convenient to blame a stranger who was a black man in a rich, in a rich neighborhood in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And I put in quotations, generational wealth generally wouldn't let that happen so quickly. So I, I'm not inclined to like immediately jump up to be like, yes, it was probably normal for that because I don't think it was yet in the 70s. Like segregation just ended. <laughs> but um, seemingly everyone in the 48 hours seems to think this is like a ridiculous out. Everyone is like, what the hell? Why are we blaming this guy? So in a very, quote unquote, like well-to-do neighborhood that they would all notice a black man who didn't live there. It was a close knit neighborhood. Everybody knew everybody. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, if he was a black man in a rich neighborhood and being possessive of like the quote unquote it girl at the high school during a dance, like you think people would remember that. Well, and regardless, he didn't go to their school. So yeah. he'd be the one that people didn't know. Right. You know, if it's a school dance, it's going to be all of your classmates and then a couple of people that people might have brought from like, right. out of town. And like teachers that are chaperoning. Yeah, you might. So, like you would know. You might remember the people that you literally don't go to school with. Right. And let's be honest. They're probably going to like private schools, small schools. Like, you know, your classmates. Yeah. And I just, I agree. I think it's kind of a convenient out to just blame like a rando who doesn't fit you know the type but again people would remember that and nobody seems to and they they interviewed Richard so Ricky who danced with her a lot that night so he was like there and present but also her literal next door neighbor was in the whole thing so like you kind of know mm-hmm. um the actual 48 hour documentary that I watch actually kind of seemed to want to implicate Bryant Ooh. So Tony had a record, but at the time they were filming the documentary, he was in prison for in Florida for a seven year sentence due to tax evasion. Okay. Which I'm like, tax evasion is a crime, but it's not a violent crime. It's kind of a stretch to say that someone committing tax evasion and tax fraud automatically means they could be a killer. No, I mean, just criminal history. Right. Yeah. And I know that, but like, it does seem to be a jump. Even studying, we see some differences in white-collar crime and street crimes. Mm-hmm. Like, just interesting. But, again, Kennedy still perpetuates Brian's allegations, despite the fact that nobody seems to want to corroborate it. Hmm. Robert Kennedy Jr., by the way. So, Michael gets a new attorney because he says, you know what? My schmoozy guy, he wasn't good. He didn't do a good enough job. I'm surprised he didn't have, like, a whole legal team. I know. So Michael gets this new attorney and they say that he deserves a new trial because the initial defense, Mickey Sherman, um, was ineffective. The argument that was that Mickey failed to call pertinent witnesses, one of which was one who supported Michael's alibi, who was at the house where the Monty Python viewing was held. No witnesses for his defense were ever called. So in 2013, Santos, who's the new defense attorney he says that this alibi had put michael at the house there is allegedly no motive for this man to lie they say that these opportunities would have created reasonable doubt for a jury and the judge finally agrees okay yes 
So. So in 2013, Michael goes back to court. Yeah. Okay. With Hubert, his new attorney, and had a new argument about his old defense attorney, Mickey Sherman. They say he botched the case and was a quote unquote media whore, which I just thought was funny. Oh. Um, Michael claims that Sherman didn't even point out the bigger suspect, Tommy, which, bro, yes, he did. Yeah, he did. The only reasonable doubt he came up with was that the clubs were everywhere and also Tommy had a thing. Why aren't we looking at him? Mm-hmm. So I guess that wasn't enough for him. So Sherman never presented evidence of Tommy's anger, I guess. Brothers turning on brothers to I the end, huh? No. So Sherman also refused to let Tommy testify under the argument that he was going to, quote unquote, plead the fifth no matter what. So this lets Michael, who was in prison for 11 and a half years, come out. Oh. So they say, you know what? Actually, that would be sufficient. That might create some reasonable doubt that both of these brothers had anger issues. Both of them were into her and both had equal opportunity. And I guess there's a motive now. I don't know what Tommy's motive would have been if they fooled around all night and then he went inside and hung out. Mm-hmm. with quote-unquote no problems so the tutor must not have noticed him being very pissed off or whatever but um this seemed to be enough so after 11 and a half years in prison michael is released to be given a new trial and this trial happens in 2016 so in 2016 the supreme court that heard this the appeal basically said that they were wrong and the defense actually was adequate and michael would be sent back to prison oh so wait he goes back for two years. But then in 2018, they once again say that Michael deserves another trial as his representation was inadequate. But wait, there's more. Now it's at. No, okay. <laughs> so in 2018, that's what they're saying. And that this failure to call the witness um, who backed Michael's alibi could have changed the conviction. So I don't know if the way that they like worded this was that in 2016, they only pointed out the Tommy thing. And then later they pointed out. The alibi from the friend, although I'll be honest with you, everywhere I looked seemed to lump this whole kind of appeal craziness together into one section in the history. It's just like snip, snap, snip, snap. Yep. It's like <laughs> adequate, inadequate, adequate, inadequate. Like you need a vasectomy, reverse it, reverse <laughs> it back. <laughs> if you guys haven't watched the dinner party episode of The Office, you're welcome. Yes. So on October 30th, 2020... The state of Connecticut announced it would not retry Michael Skakel. Richard stated that a few years ago he went golfing with Tommy and asked point blank. I suppose Tommy said he didn't do it and that it still ruined his life. So between the boys, neither of them are claiming to do it. Mm -hmm. Michael still has all of the circumstantial evidence, but nothing physically connecting him to this crime. And he has been put through the fucking ringer of appellate courts. Mm hmm. (laughs) In and out of prison. And finally, he's released. And in 2020, Connecticut said, I don't think we're going to retry you. Oh, so the poor family of Martha, you know, don't have any resolution. So we still know nothing about the fucking murder of Martha Moxley, which is just heinous. Like, out of all of this attention, nothing. It was all about the fact that they were Kennedy relatives and yeah. issues within the Kennedy family. And I, it just kind of got lost. The fact that there's still a 15 year old that was and brutally murdered. Listen, I understand the significance for Michael and I'm glad that he has freedom because, again, I don't believe that 
in America where we have these ideals that you are innocent until proven guilty. I know that media attention really likes to flip flop that you're guilty until proven innocent. Mm -hmm. And especially as someone who is a Kennedy, of course they're going to go straight to that, right? Like what a juicy story. Like America's dynasty is falling, whatever. Mm -hmm. But what a fucking crime to Martha Moxley's family to 45 years later to the date of her murder decide they just weren't going to retry this guy. Like, okay, I'm sorry. Retry him. Let him show that he is not guilty. Like, if he's not guilty, he won't be reconvicted. I mean, could they with double jeopardy and everything? So they could because he wasn't exonerated. It's not like he was let off. They just said, okay, this would have changed the trial. Yeah. But they weren't going to retry him. And don't get me wrong. There is no physical evidence. So from that point of view, fine. But even if you're going to say it, can you just fucking wait three days so it's not on the anniversary of her death? Or can you just, like, commit to, like, just trying to get tangible ev- Like, yeah. is there any part of that, like, evidence that was taken that wasn't tested yet? Can we do anything to try or to get something concrete? A more current rape kit or something like that. Like, I don't know if they did one of those in the 70s, but even if they tested any DNA or clothing that they had or fibers or whatever, we still have another 50 years now. Well, almost. Yeah. Of, of ev- like evidence and people that are into systems now that weren't previously that we could be testing yeah, against that weren't there. 50 years of advancement. Yeah. So not only is the technology better, but the suspect pool is bigger because we have more information on more people. Mm -hmm. So like, I just, I hate this. I think this is so awful, not only for Michael, but also for Martha's family. Because Michael, without being proven, quote unquote, not guilty in a court of law, all that's on his background now is all of the times he was proven guilty, Mm -hmm. even if it wasn't quote unquote proven. Right. So I think it's a crime to both of them. But anyway, in 2020, as of Connecticut's Supreme Court, he is not being retried. Mm. But they've changed their mind in a few years um, about things on this case in history. So maybe they'll do that, too. I don't know. But um, Dorothy Moxley, I do like to end on a good note, just like you do. Dorothy Moxley, Martha's mom. Incredible woman. She is still calling for justice. Dorothy remains convinced to the day that Michael Skakel is responsible for Martha's death. Wow. So take that as you will. All seem to agree that the past 45 years would have been better with Martha there. So everybody who's been interviewed, everybody who knew her, everything I looked up, they all were like, I wonder what she would be like. She would have been like an amazing mother. Mm. They all speak so highly of her. And just honestly, in my opinion, Nothing speaks more to a reputation than the fact that she was only there for a year and everybody loved her. Like she moved from California in 74, 75. She was dead. I think it's there's something about a diary, especially of Mm -hmm. like a teenager that I think is such a pure snapshot into what mattered to you at that time. Right. Like you're going to write like three pages about like this dance that you went to and ooh, like you got like little butterflies of, you know, I think that there's something so innocent and pure and exciting in something like that little glimpse of what that day was like or things like that. And on the flip side, after someone is murdered 
at that age how haunting it is to look back at that and think of like that was what was important at the time right like that she didn't get to the point where those things could be things that she could look back on later and right like that fondly be like oh innocence and youth yeah she never yeah. got to outgrow that and mature to look back and say oh how adorable was that or how cute was that or things there's just that it's really sweet and then very quickly gets really like sinister thinking of that was that was it that was all that's all she wrote literally yeah yeah and you know again i said this in the last one i did not see the 2008 48 hours i only Mm. saw the one that was more recent after they got the diary but i just can't i just can't imagine what that's like to be that mom and just be still so frequently calling for justice what happened to my kid 45 years ago Mm -hmm. like the amount of courage and the amount of stamina that takes like you guys the whole reason that we do like silly things at the end of the really really dark episodes here is because it's just too much and Mm -hmm. we're only in it for an hour this woman had to live with the murder of her daughter in her own fucking property on a night that she initially didn't even want her to go out Mm -hmm. and now the one person that she you know is steadfast in saying did it is released and not ever going to be tried again and then in the years following you have to imagine that as all the other neighborhood kids got older they got their driver's license they got to do those things she's watching them age and her daughter didn't get the chance to do that and knowing that the people that she probably had a gut feeling were responsible were literally a stone's throw from her own home yeah that she had to what pass them in the grocery store walk by them on the street you know those things it's like she didn't even get to get away it wasn't like this stranger in an alleyway it was like she probably believed or had an inkling okay these were the last people that she was with that's why she thought to go to their home first when she didn't come home like i just my heart goes out for dorothy that sucks And I am glad that she still makes noise about it because you know what? If not for that, you bet your ass it would be forgotten. And not because Martha is a beautiful girl and what had like a wonderful mark on the little time that she got to spend with us. But because once again, it hasn't been glossed over because of the Kennedy connection. And we still know almost nothing about Martha. Like I said, I had to fish for a description of her. I think it also goes to show that, I mean, she came from a very wealthy family. Yes. There is no doubt about that. I looked up the Moxley family um, estate Uh while while you were talking, and that is, like, an entire, like, campus. Yep. It's huge. But it just goes to show you that, like, it doesn't matter how much money you have. Crimes are classless. It's just true. And that that it can happen to you. It can happen to anybody and that no amount of money is going can make you happy yeah you know if you're grieving the loss of your loved one and and wanting those answers money does not bring that back you're not going to purchase that no and at least it she couldn't not that you don't have advantages from being able to hire like a private investigator like the kennedys were able to do or things like that but like even look how far that got them it didn't right michael spent over a decade in prison he spent more than what? Isn't like half his li- like he spent not what, quite half thir- his life. Well, thirteen years out of forty-five. TBD. Mm, We're bad probably. at math. 
But he did spend a significant chunk of his life there, at least a quarter. Well, and then, but I also think like the boarding school where like Mm -hmm. he, it wasn't like he lived in luxury in that way either. And I think there's a really big argument to be made with celebrities in general, not that they were celebrities, but people who come from a celebrity family, right? the Kennedy dynasty, having money, people are less apt to tell you no. And I think those of us who maybe get told no, like as a typical person, think that that must be wonderful. But there's such a, such a disadvantage to that too because no one's going to check them. Right. And you need, and I I mean this genuinely, enough humility in this life. You need to have at least enough humility in yourself to like recognize your place, recognize what's okay. Like you're not above the law. You're not above morals. You're not above values. Like just because you can doesn't mean that you can. Right. But imagine like as teens, if any of those kids were like caught with drugs or something, Mm -hmm. if someone had intervened then and didn't like, you know, throw them to the wolves, but like actually gave them a consequence and it's like, learn from this now, learn from this in your youth and didn't let them get away with everything. Maybe they wouldn't have felt like they were unstoppable in their twenties and thirties Well, and and where people can get really hurt actually punish punish in a way that is effective and helpful and not fucking i'm an arrogant rich brat like on a sign yeah you know what i mean like fuck that that's not actual intervention that is just humility like and and aren't you just solidifying that more for them like yeah you're gonna tell them that's what they are okay then that's what i'll be (laughs) i'll be the best arrogant rich brat you've ever seen you know what i mean yeah so all of this is very frustrating i hate the whole thing Mm-hmm. Um, but if this leaves you with any uh, new feelings, Tommy and Michael have been estranged for two years. Only two years? Oh, you know what? I think it was two years as of 2020. So by now, like four. So that's probably enough, right? So 2018 was the second appeal where they did say actually hold up that would have been enough you can Mm -hmm. get out so i think probably since he was released from all of that craziness but um again that's all alleged i don't know it i don't know them it was apparently from their attorneys but this was a horrible horrible story of a beautiful lovely girl who was murdered by someone Likely in her neighborhood, like someone that she knew. In her front yard. With her friends Bludgeoned to death. Mischief night. Dragged in her backyard. Found on Halloween day. And that was supposed to be a fun, spooky story. And not fun, because it's murder, but like, you know, spooky. And I was like, great, it's been solved. And I was like, fuck, no, it hasn't. So that was the roller coaster I went on for you guys, in case you were wondering. And it was supposed to be spooky for her to go have like a spooky night and then come home and, I don't know, spend the morning with her mom and thank her for letting her go out. And Yeah, like I had so much fun. We put silly string all over Tommy's bed. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like... I TP'd the bush in front of, you know, yeah. so-and-so's house. How how cute. You yeah, know? but like, they wouldn't expect me. Like, I flattened the tires. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I stuck a potato in the exhaust pipe and keyed his car. <laughs> I broke all the windows and egged their house. <laughs> oh, not not condoning do that. that. Not condoning no, that. No, we're just... Not encouraging that. Trying don't, to don't laugh do that. it off. What a, what a hair... 
a hairball? What? What a horrible story. No. Are you going to say it, terrible and horrible? Yeah. Is that what that was? Terrible. Oh. Sounds like hairball. It does. So that was the murder of Martha Moxley. And I am going to see if there's anything out there for like a tip line or donations. But all of our thoughts and prayers and wishes for peace going out to Dorothy and the rest of the Moxley family. And our New England listeners, especially those in Connecticut. If you know something, say something. If you know somebody who knows something, encourage them to say something. Please, please, please. Ultimately, at this point in time, it's been so long. What we're looking for is peace for her family. Like, she... Her memory deserves to have a bookmark at the end of this story, but also her family deserves to just finally know. Call that chapter finished. Allow her mom to go to her grave with a little bit of... Yeah, can she have, like, 20 years of peace? Like, can she just live for 20 years not wondering who the fuck murdered her daughter? I don't want her to end up dying not knowing. Like, that... It's heinous that it's been this long anyway. That would just be awful. And if it's not Michael or Tommy, how awful that they've been dragged through that. Well, and even Tommy, you know, he's been... His name has been dragged through the mud for sure. He's not been put on trial once, and it's ruined his life. Mm Mm-hmm. According to him, according to Michael. <laughs> so I don't I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that does. But her parents deserve to know. And, you know, whichever one of them is innocent or both of them, if they are, they deserve to also have that cleared up. So I say think, something if you can. I think we need some kind of reprieve. We do need a reprieve. All right. Give us one sec, guys. All right. So, for our reprieve today, Allie and I are going to do some spooky Halloween jokes. Okay, I'm going to start us off. You sound so somber. Today, unfortunately, (laughs) we're here to tell some sad jokes about, you know. So, no. All right, I have one. Ready? Yeah. Where do baby ghosts go during the day? Where? Day scare centers. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know when you've been ghosted? How do you know? The poltergeist doesn't text back. Oh. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Why didn't the skeleton go to prom? Why? He had no body to go with. <laughs> Where do ghosts send letters? Where? Through the ghost office. Oh. <laughs> Why did the ghost go into the bar? Why? For the booze. Ah. Why? <laughs> that? <laughs> that was a cat noise. <laughs> why did the vampire read the newspaper why he heard it had great circulation (laughs) oh where to go where do ghosts like to trick or treat where dead ends oh no oh Oh. why did dracula take cold medicine why because he was coughing too much (laughs) coughing this is my last (laughs) one this is really cute what do baby ghosts wear on halloween what pillowcases Aww. Get it? Not like the big sheets because they're little, so it's little pillowcases. I love that. So cute. Oh my god! Can you tell I'm exhausted that that's a baby ghost pillowcase? So cute. Adorable. Okay. What do you call a witch with a rash? Oh, what? An itchy witchy. Oh, (laughs) I feel like you just made that up. No, I. It was on the internet, but I could have made it up. But did you put it there? Yeah. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah. It might be I there, but... I am the sole person responsible for all Halloween jokes on the internet. Definitely, for sure, not at all. Thank you so much for your service. Absolutely. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you guys for hanging out with us and wrapping up part two and the conclusion episode of the murder of Ma- Martha Moxley. No, Martha Moxley's murder. There you go. <gasps> you said it. I don't ask me to say it again because I, I, I will not. But oh, what so, a even pretty name. You guys, I know it is beautiful. Um, again, if you, if you know something, say something. And also I will let you guys know if I hear of any other updates in this case. I want to see a happier end to it. I'm sure as much as you do. So just even happy and like something just an ending, an end, an end. Yes. So you know what? Hopefully it is not the last update, but it certainly is the last part. If you want to see some photos of her, if you want to see some photos of the places we're talking about, the things we're doing, all of that, you can find that on Instagram. Allie, where would that be? So our Instagram page is about time for a true crime pod with periods in between all of the words. So that's about period time, period four, period true, period crime, period pod. About, yes. Did I say that right? About yeah. time for a true crime huh all right well (laughs) uh, tbd because i don't remember what i just said um and we would also love if you guys could email us and i'm gonna pass that on over to abby to tell you how you can do that you can email us through any internet server that you want um just make sure you're signed into your email and you can send it to about time the numeric for tc at gmail.com so that's a-b-o-u-t-t-i-m-e for tc at gmail.com and everything's linked in the show notes, you guys. You don't have to look. You don't have to remember it. Although I hope you're saying it with us at this point. But it's already right there in your phone, on your little tablet, and your little laptop, whatever you're doing. You know that's right. It's right All there. right. So hang out with us. Catch up. Check out the Instagram. See our pod pets. See the cases. Send us pod pets. Send us updates. Send us what cool thing you did over this weekend. Send emails of what you think on the cases. Did I get this right? Did I get it wrong? Do you hate my hot takes? Do you love them? Do you agree? Do you like it? Do you like the dad jokes? Do you like the sarcasm? Okay, everybody likes the dad jokes. All right, well. Get off my back. Speak for yourself. I do. We're going to get an influx of people saying that. No, I'm just kidding. They're going to be like, we hate the dad jokes. And then there's going to be like two people there like, we love them. And I'm going to be like, you guys word is in you all love them it was <laughs> it was never-ending support it was all that i wanted it to be no yes. i'm just kidding if you guys hate the dad jokes i will stop but i don't think anybody's in it this stop. far don't if they don't like them so don't change who you are you know what abigail that's fair i'll stay off yeah. the tick um love it but all you right. guys thank you guys love you so much though if i do look at my clock that was about, about time, time for true crime, crime. Bye. bye see you guys later